Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Howdy, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hansen, with another phenomenal podcast for you today. It's Tuesday. Tuesday is Promar Ahi USA Tuesdays. Promar is our sponsors on Tuesday. And today is another phenomenally sponsored day. And we have some really, I have a really cool Promar product, or excuse me, Ahi product to show you that I cannot fish without one of these. If I'm trolling anywhere, if I'm trolling down here in Cabo, if I'm trolling up in Southern California, anywhere that we're trolling, we have to have one of these lures out in the, we have to have a cedar plug, natural colored six inch cedar plug. There has to be one of these out in the back of the boat somewhere if we're trolling. These things get bit on everything. What eats them? Everything. We catch striped marlin, dorado, wahoo, Oh my gosh, white, I've seen white sea bass caught on these, yellow-tailed, lots of Dorado, lots of Marlin, lots of tuna. This is the go-to lure, this chunk of wood. I remember in probably in the mid-80s when they tried to put the first chunk of wood out behind the boat when I was running it, and I was like, there's no way you're putting out that chunk of wood. Well, now we don't even go unless we have a chunk of wood out behind the boat. We won't even troll unless there is a chunk of wood out there. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stuff. So make sure you go over to the Promar Ahi website. Use that QR code I just flashed up on the screen. We'll leave it up there for a little bit. Gang, we only got about a week and a half left, and we're going to give away that other bag of swag that we give away every month on the first of the, each month. Anybody that grabs that QR code or enters the Promar website and puts in the code YSWG at checkout is going to have a chance to win the grab bag of free stuff from Promar. So grab the QR code. Keep, make sure you're in the running. You don't even have to buy anything if you grab the QR code. It'll just enter you automatically. So everybody grab that QR code right now. And we're going to get started. We're still talking lobsters like we did last Tuesday, gang. And we're talking a lot about lobsters today. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our website or not. Over there on your saltwater guide, the community section, they're posting a lot of phenomenal pictures of people catching lots and lots of lobsters by just following the simple game plan and going to the spots on the website. And very, very big success there going hoop netting right now. It's very, very good. We'll throw that QR code back up a little later in the show here and talk about a little bit more about the Cedar plug. But gang, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you, all you, all the followers. What I need you to all to do is I need you all to do me a big favor. I need you to subscribe to my channel on YouTube and I need you to hit the like button. I need you to do it on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Booger Eater, whatever. Whatever platform you're watching this show on, hit the like button and please hit the share button. 
It really is an amazing thing if we all just share how easy it's going to be for this thing to just spread out all over the place. You all have followers that I don't know. So if you can hit the share button, that will help us out tremendously and get the word out to more and more people. But today we're going to talk about a couple of different things about hoop netting. We're going to talk about how important etiquette is. And we're going to also talk about being in the right place, the right time. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about how to care for your lobsters, how to be compliant with the law and all the other different things that come with lobster fishing. There's a plethora of things that are super important. Last week, we talked about the five things I believe are the most important things about lobster fishing. And now we're going to talk more about being compliant. We're going to talk more about how to make sure that you're always going to catch something and all the different products that Promar has to offer you that are going to really change what you catch as far as lobsters go. What put us on the map and what got us going in 2006 when I, and I was looking through my log books today before I went live and I was, when exactly did Jeremy and I start this hoop net thing? And it was in 2006 and it was in, December of 2006, just in time for Christmas time. My partner at the time, Jeremy and myself, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do because we just came off of a season where we were fishing that yellowfin tuna under the dolphins and it was, we were burning all our money that we were making on fuel just to take you fishing. And we didn't know what we were going to do because we needed to make our boat payment, insurance payment, slip rental, all those different things. And we weren't sure exactly what we were going to do to make it through the winter. And my kids, both my boys, Zach and Sean said, dad, why don't you try hoop netting? And Jeremy said, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, we go out and we try to catch lobsters with these round nets. And we throw them out with some bait in the bottom of them. And it was all caveman stuff back then but we start jeremy thought that would be a great idea so we started to promote it with phil freeman and back then he had a 976 tuna we started promoting it taking six people hoop netting inside of long beach la harbor for a hundred dollars a person and i give you all the beer you can drink all the pizza you can eat and five hours of hoop net inside a Long Beach Harbor. And uh, I was absolutely amazed by the people that came out of the woodwork to go hoop netting with us that first year. And then lo and behold, in the middle of that first year, my beautiful wife, I'm sorry, John, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. How to keep them off your boat. What I've done, I'm sorry. What I've done, John, is we'll talk offline. I'll tell you how I got around it. It's kind of, it takes a big bunch of time, but we figured out how to get all those birds off. But gang, when this happened, I'll tell you what, our hoop net trips were hard to get a reservation for when my wife caught this lobster right here. This is the largest lobster ever caught in California recorded. Now, like I say in all my seminars, I know you've caught way bigger and I know you did and 
I know your grandpa did and your grandma caught them way bigger. But here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. You forgot to tell anybody. This lobster Kelly girl gave it to the aquarium in Long Beach. And she was on all the news channels. She was on Bloody Decks, World Record Lobster. This thing, 18 and three quarter pounds caught in Long Beach Harbor. And that was the beginning of what you guys see now as hundreds of people out hoop netting every night. Well, I know you think your sister's aunt's cousin's brother started it, but this is what it all started from. Kelly girl and I, like she told you in the story on a couple months ago on Thursday story time that, uh, we weren't even together when she caught this lobster. She was with somebody else at the time, fishing with somebody else at the time, not fishing with me when she caught this giant lobster, but she was smart enough to not want to kill him. And she gave it to the aquarium in Long Beach where they weighed it up. And then it sat on display until a couple of years ago when it finally passed away. But at the time, the biologist at, uh, the aquarium in Long Beach told Kelly girl that this animal was somewhere around 70 years of age. Pretty impressive lobster walking around in Long Beach Harbor for 70 years and then gets to, hold on, then gets to finish his life off in the aquarium getting fed probably really good food, hanging, <sighs> hanging out with lots of little female lobsters. If you look, this is a big boy lobster. How do we know he's a boy? Well, if you look on his tail, you'll see those little tiny flappers on his tail. Those are um, very, very small. The females are very, very big. The little, the um, little fins on the tail there on the female, they're very large because they camouflage the eggs on the males are much smaller. This was a extremely large lobster but then really what blew everyone's mind was that it ended up that they found out it was a boy because they all thought it was a girl until they turned it upside down and found out it was a boy that made it even a more outstanding catch giant male lobster inside of long beach harbor you want to know where we caught it at i bet you do I could tell you exactly where she caught it at, but you're going to have to get that information from our website. Gang, don't forget. And Augie, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Don't forget, gang, to leave. I saw Augie. And when I see Augie or Mike Lewis, I always remember. Don't forget to give us, or excuse me, don't forget to sprinkle some stars on the podcast here on Facebook. And you can leave us a tip over there on uh, YouTube. And remember, we have the rescue monkey, the rescue cats. All that stuff matters. Every dime you give us goes to help feed the animals here at our at Kelly and Dave's little zoo. So thank you very much. Yeah, it was, Arnie. It was almost as big as Kelly girl. That's pretty amazing lobster right there. 18 and three quarter pounds. What an amazing achievement. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying, Oh, I caught way bigger. Well, show us your picture. Show it us on the scale. I can say whatever I want. I can tell you I won the lottery last night. That doesn't mean I won it, but I could tell you that. But everybody wants to tell us they caught way bigger lobsters. And then one other thing, speaking of, speaking of, uh, lobsters, 
You know when you're out cutting bait and when you get all done cutting bait, your hands smell really bad from cutting bait? Don't forget to check out Something Fishy. Something's Fishy is an amazing spray. When you're done cutting fish, you just spray it on your hands and rub them together. No more fish smell. No more stinky bait smell. All the sport boats should have these on the boat because I'll tell you what, when you're done loading bait at night, and we usually load bait late in the afternoon or late at night when we're fishing tuna offshore, or those of you running three-quarter day, when you get done loading bait, your hands stink. Spray this stuff on them. Something's fishy. Your hands won't stink anymore. I remember trying to go to sleep as a deckhand and rolling around in the bunk and smelling my hands, just going, oh, my gosh, if my hands smell that bad, can you imagine the rest of me smells like? Spray a little bit of something's fishy on there, and you'll be blown away at the, how it takes the scent away. Something fishy right there. Grab that. Go over there. Check it out and put in the code YSWG, and you're going to save 10% on your order. Something's fishy. That's an amazing product, ladies and gentlemen. This is, and I told Brandon, the chemist who created this, if he could get rid of the smell of Marley, because Marley is the smallest monkey in the world, my little monkey right behind me, right above my head right now. But he's a monkey nonetheless. And what they do, he's a little boy monkey. So they constantly are marking. Kelly girl washes his cage and then he goes right back and marks it the minute we put all his new blankets and sheets and everything in there. So it's a constant battle, but I'll tell you what, you spray a little bit of something's fishy on his blankets and on his pillow. And we don't smell the, the mark from the monkey. And that's when I told Brandon, okay, if that works for the monkey, then I'll talk about it all the time because I know it worked for fish. I know it works for the smell of fish, but Boy, does it work for monkey smell too. So if any of you have a monkey and you're tired of the smell, make sure you get something's fishy and then put in the code YSWG when you're checking out and save 10%. You won't be disappointed and it, he'll ship it right to your house. Pretty, pretty cool deal. So let's get back into this lobster thing. Yep. Marley is, he is the best. Thank you very much. Arnie, for letting everyone know that stuff is insane. It works very, very well. How do you send stars? You have to purchase them on Facebook. You got to purchase a handful of stars. They're like pennies a piece or something like that. And you just buy some stars, sprinkle them out of the podcast every week or whenever you feel like it. They're very easy to purchase. And then you can put them out on the, on the podcast. But back to what we were talking about, lobsters, gang. It's the really cool thing about Southern California. I know the DFG has all kinds of weird closures in the state of California and the feds, but they haven't really done anything to our lobsters as far as taking away times. I know we had that little acid scare in L.A. Harbor, but it really wasn't anything. But they closed the season for a week and a half. They postponed it anyway in that area. So that was the only thing though, but we still get six months to fish lobsters in Southern California. That is an incredible number. And what I want you all to do is quit posting over on the other fishing blog sites or Facebook or bloody decks or wherever you like to post. 
Quit telling people there's no lobsters left and quit telling people they need to change the regulations. That None of that needs to change. There are plenty of lobsters. They're everywhere. There's no lobsters. You Thank you, Mike Lewis. Yeah. Arnie, Mike's letting you know exactly how to do it. Mike's the king of it. Mike, you, if I showed you the, the statistics, Mike, your head and shoulders above, there's no chance of anybody ever catching you. But um, I just want you all to stop helping the fish and wildlife come up with new regulations. If you're not catching lobsters, it's not my fault. I give you everything you need. Yeah, my sister's running them out of there, Dave Lee. She's running them charters, so you got to find 10 people. My good buddy Todd Manser's talking about doing some open party trips out of Dana Point, but as of right now, there's no open party trips out of Dana Point. They think, last I heard is too many people want to do it, so they don't want to do it because too many people want to do it. I know. I don't understand that, but whatever. Not my business. But um, as far as lobster fishing goes, gang, we are blessed to have a six-month-long season, and we're blessed to not have them take away. It's been seven as long as I I can remember, as far back as I can remember, and there's really no reason to change that because the people that are going out and consistently catching lobsters, following the game plans, fishing with the right bait, fishing in the right depth, doing it the right way, they're having so much success. And if you don't believe me, just go look on the community section at yoursaltwaterguide.com. Over on the community section at Your Saltwater Guide, it's trip after trip, member after member, having just phenomenal lobster fishing. Can you imagine go, being able to go? I wish they had something like this when I first started it in 2006. Going on a website and getting spots where you can go drop your hoop nets and catch lobsters. No one would have ever told anybody. No, no one does. This is the only place you're going to get real information on where you should go. Hoop net net is right here. But what I can promise you is if you don't do it the right way. And like Mike Lewis says right here on my cup, everything matters. Everything matters. And it also matters when you're hoop netting. Everything matters. Nice, Josh. Cool. Did you catch a few legals? But everything matters, gang. I want you to understand fishing, hoop netting, life, everything matters. Whatever comes out of your mouth matters. Whenever you put something up on the on a social media platform saying that lobster fishing sucks and there's no lobsters left and they should do this and that. The only thing that sucks is you. You suck because you chose not to get on a website that's going to show you how to do it. If you're struggling with lobster fishing, if you are struggling, struggle no more. Go to my website, gang. You won't struggle, I promise. You can send me a message. You can ask me any questions you want. I will answer all your questions and uh, I will make sure that you have nothing to worry about. Open parties in Orange County, Long Beach, Dave are same as no up there, Stephen. And we're going to talk when the show's over today. 
But up in Long Beach, you can go with my buddy Ryan on Gale Force. He has the Gale Force and the Triton, and he takes people open party hoop netting even in Long Beach or L.A. Harbor and then over at Catalina. And he takes off that of Long Beach and they their cat their open party trips to Catalina are like combo trips. They'll do a little calico bass fishing in the wintertime. This time of year they do a little rock or no, they can't even rock fish. All they do now is just calico bass fish or sheephead or whatever at the island and then throw the hoop nets in the water and do it that way. And uh it's pretty amazing that all the boats up and down the coast now are taking people lobster fishing. When in 2006, when I started it, no one had ever even heard of it before. That is absolutely amazing that ever now it's a business that everybody's doing. And it, we kicked it off in 2006 and I know you've been doing it way longer, but no one knew you were doing it. So I'm sure you didn't run very many trips, but you can tell everybody you were doing it way longer but we started promoting these trips in 2006 and it took off like a, like a uh, book of matches. It was just absolutely amazing how many people wanted to go do it and couldn't understand it, wanted to come see it, wanted to be a part of it. And it just took off and we were having so much fun. We were catching so many lobsters and then we were not catching lobsters and I didn't understand what it was. And then I discovered, I re, then I started looking at, like I say, everything matters. I started to look at my log books and I started to understand that when we had weather and when we had rain, the lobsters crawled better than when we didn't. And when you first starting to put this puzzle together back in the very beginning, you didn't know what, what we were actually looking at, but we did keep a log book, just like we do fishing. And then we were able to start to put some of the pieces of the puzzle together. And we started to learn that when it's raining and the more it rains, the better the lobster fishing gets. So me always trying to strive for more knowledge and more, I want, always want to learn whatever. When I learned how to fly the kite, I wanted to learn every part of it. I let one of my captain buddies come out with me on the big Hatteras and I said, you can yell at me all day. I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn how to do it the right way. And I'm I'm not, I don't care. I want to learn. I'm never, ever going to say I know everything. And when I went to the biologist at the aquarium in Long Beach to try to figure out what what's the reason why we're catching more when it's raining, and he told me, he said, come in here. And we went into the back room and he took an aquarium that he had with salt. It was like half, the aquarium was half full of salt water. And he put a rock in there that was sticking out of the top of the water. And he told me to get down there and look at the rock and watch what happens. And as he poured the fresh water onto the rock, you could actually see the fresh water going over the rock, but it wouldn't go out into the salt water. If It's hard to explain, but you could watch it go and all the fresh water would just engulf this rock and go right down to the bottom. And then when it would hit the bottom, it would start to roll around and squirm around and then get dissipated into the rest of the salt water. I, and I hope I'm explaining this right. And I hope you're trying to understand what I'm saying. And I was like, what, what caused that? He goes, the salt keeps that fresh water pushed up against the rock. 
The same thing happens when it's raining and you got these oil islands and you got these break walls. And when the water, the fresh water is running down the rocks, it's staying right on the rocks. The salt's not letting it expand out. And when that, all that fresh water comes down into these lobsters holes, because there's these holes in the rocks where they live, it makes them leave the holes and they start crawling around and they start walking. When they're walking, they're burning energy. When they're burning energy, they get hungry. And I was like, oh, I got it. Now I understand. So I don't want my lobster hoop nets to be right on top of the rocks when I'm when it's raining, I want them to be out off the rocks a little bit because the lobsters are going to leave the rocks to get to the saltier, the more salinity in the water, if you will. And that's when they're going to walk into your hoop nets. And so as I started to put those pieces of the puzzle together, then I really started to understand what was creating this really cool crawl in Long Beach and LA Harbor. That's where I was fishing. Why was I fishing there? Because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money for fuel. I didn't have any money to take you anywhere else. I could take you hoop netting. And at the time in 2006, it had never been done before. So we're doing it in Long Beach, LA Harbor. We're having a ball. We're catching some lobsters. It's not wide open by any stretch of the imagination. Then when it would rain, it would get really good. And we'd have nights. Look at this. We'd have nights like this. You're not even going to believe this night. <laughs> Look at this. Crazy. <laughs> that's 96 legal lobsters. Yep. That's 96 legal lobsters. Absolutely incredible. Two day permits. We had all that before nine o'clock at night, two day permits, 96 lobsters. And we were all done fishing at nine 30 at night. But that's when I started to put this puzzle together and started to learn about these things. That's when I started to learn. Steve, a nice lobster, buddy. Look at that pig. Woo! That is a beautiful lobster. My buddy Stephen Bora just sent me a beautiful lobster picture. Of, looks like about an eight, nine-pound lobster. Just sent that right into me right now. But that's when I started to learn that weather matters, and it really does matter. And so a lot of my groups at the time started putting We'd have these little talks on the back deck while we were waiting for our hoop nets to catch lobsters. And I started to explain that to them and groups started to book their trips around the rain. Now, I always say the best time to go is when you can go. But the ultimate best time is to go when it's, the more it's storming, the more it's raining, the better it's gonna be. Why is that? Well, I just told you about the fresh water running down the rocks and it stays permeated right on the rocks. And then the other thing is everything wants to eat a lobster. So think of that. Everything wants to eat them. So they only come out at night. But if the water's super clean and there's a big moon or there's a lot of phosphorus in the water, lobsters aren't going to have a tendency to want to move around very freely when they can be seen. That phosphorus in the water that you see like when the waves are breaking at the beach and you see them lighten up or when you're driving around in your boat and you see the phosphorus behind, behind the boat, that is really bad for lobster fishing because when the lobsters move, every time they move, the water lights up. That allows all the animals that want to eat them to see them. So 
What wants to eat a lobster? Pretty much anything and everything. First of all, people. Second of all, more eels, white sea bass, black sea bass, calico bass, sand bass, sheep's head, triggerfish, octopus, more eels. They all want to eat the lobster. So they don't want to have, they're not going to come out when the water's super clean and there's no movement and there hasn't been any rain and they're not going to come out that often and do their thing. But boy, when you get a little bit of a south swell, like we've had the last couple of weeks, and that's why guys are catching so many lobsters or you get some rain, which you haven't had yet. But boy, when you get that first rain in Long Beach, San Diego, LA, it's going to be really, really good. So. Think about that, though, when you want to go on the best night. Put together some of your friends. Alfie, thank you. Anybody that gives us any type, oh, my gosh, 50, Alfie, oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you very, very much. That's a phenomenal donation. I appreciate that, Alfie, very, very much. Thank you. Yeah. Phew. That is awesome, Alfie. Thank you. But I understand where you're coming from, Alfie, because I do answer the phone and I do try to put you in the right place and I do try to make sure that you're successful. I don't know who else has a website and an app that teaches you how to fish that when you call them and you're at Catalina or San Clemente Island or the Coronados or in Mission Bay or wherever you are, I can send you numbers to where you can go catch lobsters. That's pretty rad, right? Where did you buy what at? Oh. Online. Okay, so your saltwaterguide.com is the name of my website. So we're talk we talked just now about storms and how important it is to be out there. Really cool thing about being out there when it's storming too is nobody else goes. They're all scared to go when it Oh, thank you, Josh. Now I understand what's going on. Yep. The lobster, the multi-day permits cost like seven or eight bucks, something like that. And then you can have two day limits on the boat or two day limits on your person. If you have the multi-day permits and your the, the date and the time and everything is correct with what's going on. Remember too, gang, we were going to talk about compliance. It is imperative that you do not try to put short lobsters on your boat. You do not want to go out there without a measuring device for each person that's fishing. If you have five lobster cards on the boat, you have to have five measuring devices on the boat. Each person has to have their own measuring device. It, I know it's silly. I didn't write the law. I'm just telling you how to live within the law. And the other thing is, their fish and wildlife are very, very proud of their lobsters. So even if you say, well, I thought it was, I thought it was legal gang. If it's close, throw it back. There was a post this morning. There was a post this morning that somebody was talking to you guys. They had the measuring device on the carabus of the lobster. And they were saying, what do you think legal or not legal? If you have to ask, throw it back because it's not legal. Oh, look at it. It's hanging on there. That's not legal. Don't even. Why? Why? 
If if you're hanging on that one lobster is going to change your whole night, then you're probably not a member of my website and you don't have any really good spots. So you're trying to figure out if it's okay to keep a short. Do not keep short lobsters. Do not keep short lobsters. I promise you it's not going to be good. Thank you, John Stanley. I try very hard. And I'm so glad your granddaughter won that tournament. That is so special. That is so, so special. Speaking of that, gang, I'm going to try something new on the... We're going to do a a weekly... Or, yeah, a weekly Kid of the Week on the website. So Kid of the Week, Child of the Week, I call it Kid of the Week, whatever. We're going to post... You guys send the pictures into uh, my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. Post them on the community. Kid of the week could be a lobster, could be a tournament winning whitefish, could be a sheep, it could be anything. Your child with the big smile on their face. We're going to do kid of the week every week. We're going to post that on our social media. And I post on every social media platform every day. So, from now on, on Fridays, we're going to do kid of a week, kid of the week, and we're going to post it all over on Fridays. So send me in your pictures, gang, send them to the community section on your saltwater guide, the membership gang. If you're not part of the community, let's just say, Hey, I don't have a boat. Hey, I don't have, a, I understand. Get on my website for $9, $9.99 a month. You can check out the fishing, the greatest fishing community ever made. You can also be on there sharing what you're doing. You can put pictures of your child up there, your grandchild. We're going to do kid of the week on Fridays. And uh, we're going to post pictures of your child all over social media. Talk about how much fun it is to go fishing with your grandma or grandpa or dad or mom. And it's going to be a big deal and it's going to be fun. I got that from when I was doing the show on Friday with Thomas and his daughter, Caroline, over there at Kids Can Fish. They do that. And it's absolutely life-changing event for the, the children. So we're going to do that. We're going to start doing it, Kid of the Day, our Kid of the Week. And then we'll probably, if, as it starts to go on, you guys start sending me lots of pictures, we'll probably end up doing Kid of the Day. And uh, it'll be phenomenal. And Elliot will post the pictures every day. But we need to get a bunch of pictures before we can even get to kid of the kid of the day. Let's start with kid of the week, and then we'll see how that goes. And then we'll do like a, a big prize at the end of the year at the PCS show. We'll do something where we give bunch of the children will get something from me and my sponsors. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. It'll be really cool. And don't forget big show this Friday. Jim Holden and my sister Donna will be on the show with uh, Fish for Life, which is an ep incredible organization, gang. You cannot believe what Jim Holden's done over there for uh, special needs children, taking them fishing, changing their lives. You want to be a part of this show. This is going to be a very, very powerful show on Friday. I want, and gang, there's so much dumb stuff in the world that's trending and going viral. Why don't you help us make some of these things go viral by sharing this on your social share, hit the share button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Let's get this 
awareness of children fishing. Let's get this going full speed. Let's get this kind of stuff viral instead of the garbage that's viral today. Let's try to get people more aware of taking children fishing. So please hit the like button and the share button on all my videos that talk about children. Let's try to share the living bejesus out of this and get it going in the right direction. Back to what we were talking about, though, about being compliant. Listen, you're not going to sneak a short one in. You're not going to sneak it in and just say, and then, oh, well, officer, it looked legal. Gang, that's a giant ticket. And what they're doing nowadays is you get a lobster ticket. They're taking, they're putting your license, your fishing license on a restriction. And sometimes they're even taking it for up to a year. You don't want any of that stuff to happen. There's so many lobsters out there. There's no reason to even try to keep a short. And the fish and wildlife are on to every little scam that you think you know. They're going to get you every single time. So be very, very careful. And then the other thing is make sure that you're using the very freshest bait you can possibly use. I've been going through the uh, lobster groups on Facebook and I've been looking at different posts on YouTube, people talking about lobster fishing, and I can't believe all the misinformation out there. It's not about stinky bait. It's not about slimy, old, scuzzy, dirty bait. It's not about cat food. It's not about chicken bones. It's, it's about fresh sardines or anchovies or mackerel. Fresh. The fresher, the better. I like to get my bait on the way out of the harbor at the bait barge, get a half a scoop of sardines or a half a scoop of anchovies. If they have anchovy sardine mackerel mix, that's great too. Whatever they have at the barge that's swimming, that's what I'm going to use for bait because it absolutely is going to change what you catch. People I've read, oh, we spray them with WD-40. One, one booger eater even said, oh, you soak a brick in diesel fuel. Yeah. <laughs> Gang, don't make, don't overcomplicate it. Look at fishing with fresh bait does this. Okay. If you're doing this with diesel fuel, <laughs> my, you're full of baloney. You're lying because you're not catching 96 lobsters with diesel fuel. We caught those with fresh sardines, gang. We caught. This with fresh sardines, that's 17.7 pound lobster with fresh sardines. This one caught with fresh mackerel. Gang, we're not using diesel fuel. We're not using WD-40. Anybody that's telling you that, they're foolish. Yeah, they're full of that bad word. They're full of it too because it's not going to happen, gang. I had one of my bosses once tell me oh i was at the bar last night and the guy told me we need to use wd-40 for bait i'm like oh my god are you kidding me Ugh. don't read that crap don't watch that crap gang i fish for a living i got three guides that take you fishing for a living that's what they do pablo justin sunny myself all the sport boats that are taking people hoop netting for a living we're not using bricks covered in diesel fuel. We're not using cinder blocks covered in WD-40. That is the dumbest crap I've ever heard of. Don't even waste your time. Don't spray your hoop net with oil 
Gang, we do everything in our power to keep all that crap off so that the lobsters have a chance to crawl in. We do not want. Hey, question, West Coast only. I have no idea what goes on on the East Coast. I don't know. I know that their lobsters are $2 a pound and ours are $48 a pound. I know that. I know there's a bunch of people that want to tell me that the East Coast lobsters are better. I don't know. I'll take $50 bills on top of $2 bills all day long, but and there isn't anybody on the planet that's going to tell me a $2 bill is better than a $50 bill. But you can have that argument all you want. It makes me laugh. But <laughs> Yeah, it's it used to be fish oil, Mike Lewis. I don't think it is anymore. I don't think when you read the canister nowadays, I don't think there's anything on there that even closely. That's like them cheese slices that you see that's processed cheese food. There's nothing in it that's even cheese. Same with WD. I used maybe in the olden days it had some fish oil in it. I don't think it does anymore. But then again, I'm not a mechanic like you are. So I don't even know why I'm trying to tell you something about a lubricant. But I remember that WD-40 was to protect the wiring on the boat from getting corroded. And then all of a sudden it became a, a lubricant. But it was always something you lightly sprayed over all your elect electrical lines to keep them from corroding. But we were probably doing that wrong too. But gang, it's super important to make sure you're using fresh bait. I don't care what anybody else says. Fresh bait's the key. And then we talked about it a lot last week. We talked about those bait, those seal proof bait tubes, game changer. The people that have switched over to it and are using it nowadays, game changer. It absolutely will keep those sea lions from being on your hoop net. Sea lions are a very visual animal. So as soon as they see the bait in the cage, their laser beam focused on it and they won't leave it alone till they get the bait out of there. So therefore the lobsters won't crawl in there and people go, Oh, sea lions don't eat lobsters. Well, I've watched them eat them. I've seen them crunching through the, the, um, shells, smashing those tails and eating them. So when you tell me they don't eat them, I just go, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Just like when young man used to tell us, that uh, sea lions don't eat calico bass. I've watched them eat thousands of them at Catalina. I watched them eat hundreds and hundreds of them when I was running the freelance. Every time we threw a short bass back when they changed the size from 12 to 14 inches, I watched them eat them all day long, woofing down calico bass all day long. So don't tell me they don't eat calico bass. But um, back to what we were talking about. So bait, fresh bait, having an area to go to. Having an area to go to is super important to have spots and not one. Because here's what happens. If you have one good spot and you get there and someone else is fishing on it, we got to go to etiquette. I told you we would talk about etiquette and this is why we're talking about a spot. You have one spot, you get there and someone else is on it. Don't bomb them. It's not your spot. It's everybody's spot. So don't go, oh, the guy's on my spot. No, he's not. He's on a spot, but he got there first. 
It's how it's been in the sport fishing industry since we were kids. Or long before we were kids, when our kids, when our the captains we worked for were kids, whoever got to the spot first, that was their spot. Same thing with lobster. Whoever gets to the spot first, that's their spot. Don't drop your hoop nets around them. Have another spot and go to that spot and then put your hoop nets there. What I like to do is I have two or three spots. Let's say I'm going to go to Long Beach Harbor. I'm going to put five in Jurassic Park. I'm going to put four or three over at the Navy Mole. And then I'm going to go put two on the the uh, wreck in the middle of the harbor right there. Then I'm going to go pull my Jurassic Park five first. If they have lobsters in it, all five are going right back in Jurassic. Then I'm going to go over to the Navy Mole, pull those three. If they don't have any, but the Jurassic Park had some, then we're putting those three on the boat. We're going to take them back over to Jurassic and throw them in there with the other five. Then I'm going to go get my two on the wreck. If they both have lobsters in it, I'm going to throw them right back on the wreck. If they don't, they're all going to Jurassic. Lobsters move, gang, and you don't know. So you want to spread your stuff out a little bit. But if you only know one spot, then you have to put all 10 of your nets on that one spot. If they don't crawl on that one spot, you're kind of left out. You're kind of out in left field. So you want to have more than one spot. You want to have in an area where you can work the three spots or the two spots. If you only know a couple, put five over there and put five over there and then see where they're crawling the best. Sometimes if I'm doing five, let's say I'm at Catalina and I'm doing five at Ripper's Cove and I'm doing five at Empire Landing and they're crawling good at both spots, five of them will stay at Empire and five of them will stay at Ripper's and I'll just bounce back and forth. That gives me a little bit longer soak Why I go from... Empire Landing back over to Rippers to pull my five over there. But once, like I told you guys last week, once they start crawling, I burn through my gear the whole night. I never stop pulling. I pull all 10 and then when I'm done, I go right back to number one and start over again. Yeah, it's a good idea to have them numbered so you can keep track of which ones you're pulled because it is pitch black dark. If you haven't been doing it for years and years and years, it's kind of scary because you don't remember which one you just pulled. I've seen guys pull the same one when I'm working, taking them out on their boat. And I'm like, we just pulled that one. No, we didn't. I'm like, okay. And we pull it. There's nothing in it. I go, all right, I'm just trying to help you. So it would help you out tremendously if you numbered your hoop nets one to 10. And if there's going to be more than one person on the boat, always have 10 nets. Never have nine. Never have seven. Always 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Because when they're crawling, if you have 10 in the water, you got a good chance of getting your limits. When you don't have 10 in the water, you might just miss your limits by one or two. And we all want to catch our limit. So make sure that you have 10 hoop nets on at all times. So then... Once you got your areas figured out, once you figured out they're crawling, now it's time to set up your logbook and say, okay, we were out on October 17th. We dropped our hoop nets in the water at 4.30. We had limits by 9 o'clock. Write that all down. And then on the way home, while the boat's driving itself home or whatever, or when you get to your house, sit down with the tide chart. And see what the tide was doing and say, okay, 
There was a big swing in the tide that night. Start writing all this stuff down. Everything, I don't know if I've ever said this to you before, but everything matters. And that's how I was able to put the pieces of the puzzle together back in 2006 because we didn't have a puzzle. There wasn't a jigsaw puzzle to go by for how to hoop net. Even though I've been fishing for a living in Southern California since 1974, there was nothing or nobody I could call up. I couldn't call up Devin Cruz and say, hey, what was your brother Greg and Steve Lesarge doing when they were hooping? They weren't doing nothing because they weren't hooping. Those are guys that are my, were my heroes when I was a kid. Went on to be some of the best captains in California. But I grew up in the era where I got to see all these great captains, but no one had hoop netted before. So there wasn't anybody to go and ask. So it was really important for me to keep notes, to try to figure out the puzzle and try to put together what's going on, when it's going on, what spots do I want to be at. And another thing I learned that I think is super important is Catalina, shallower the better. The shallower you go, the better the lobster fishing. And it doesn't matter winter, fall, winter, or spring. The shallows are always the best. I like to fish 20 to 40 feet of water, period. There never was a time where I was like, damn, I wish we could have pulled 200 feet of rope. And if you're using an electric puller, really? Is that fun to put it on the machine and push the button? And it pulls it up and you dump them out on the deck. I like my client, my passengers, my members being involved in the whole thing. Being involved, that's why I like to put my hoops in 20 to 40 feet of water. And we get the young kids pulling them in the 20 feet of water. We get the adults pulling them in the 40 feet of water. We're bouncing around. We're doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, when there's divers in the water, gang, that spot's done. You need to move. If a lot of the times, and they don't even mean to, they're diving in the same place that we're hooping because that's a good place to hoop. I see so many people go, oh, the divers are stealing out of my... If you've ever dove, gang, you don't need to steal out of people's hoops at night. There's, things are everywhere. You just grab them with your hands. But if there's a bunch of divers where you're hooping, it's time to move. It's time to go to a different place because... They're swinging that flashlight around down there and they're moving around and they're keeping the lobsters from crawling into your hoops, even though that's not their intention. That's what's happening. So that's another reason why you need to have more than one spot. So you want to make sure you have more than one spot and you want to make sure that you don't leave your hoop nets in the water too long. Have you seen a hoop net? Have you looked at a hoop net? There's nothing to keep the lobster in there. There's no lid on it. There's no, there's no doors. They crawl in the top. They crawl back out the top. It's very easy. They one flick of the tail and they can be 50 feet away from your hoop net in a second. There's nothing to keep them in there. So they're going to go in there. They're going to smell the food from your bait seal proof bait tube. And then they're going to cruise after a little bit. Also, here's a secret, and if the fish and wildlife are listening, my name's Dave Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, and uh, we like to keep the shorts in the hoop net. When I pull a hoop net up and it's got a couple shorts in it, we pull them out, we measure them, we throw them back in the hoop, and then throw the hoop net back in the water. 
One of those could be a little female that's in heat. You don't know. But why would you throw the lobsters over the side that are short when you have your hoop net right there? Think about it like this. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. If you're driving down the street this afternoon or you're driving down the street listening to this podcast and you see 20 people standing on a corner all looking up, you're going to slow down. You might even stop and turn around and look out your window and look up to see what they're all looking at. I know you've all done it a hundred times. I've done it. Same thing with lobsters, gang. If there's a couple of lobsters in your hoop net and there's lobsters crawling around down there on the bottom, the other lobsters are going to come over to see what they smell the food, but they're going to come over to see why there's lobsters in that net. So that's just a trick. It's a kind of a gray area. I know if you follow every part of the law, you're not supposed to put them back in the hoop and throw them in the water. I know, but I do it anyway. I'm a bad, bad man. Make sure you tell everybody 949-374-0786. I'm just telling you it works and it works flawlessly. And I'm just trying to help you gang. They're not going to write that ticket. That's an impossible ticket to write. It's just, just not going to happen. Because you're throwing them over the side. They can get out of the net. You're not doing it. I know. I shouldn't have even said that, but I did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yep. You're absolutely right, Devo. He did say the same thing. So look at gang. We're going through this stuff as fast as we can and trying to be as good as we can. But I'm just trying to make sure that you don't get in trouble. You want to be compliant. You want to make sure you don't have any short lobsters on the boat. Oh, another thing. I had this argument with a non-member a couple days ago on the uh, SoCal HoopNet group. You cannot use Bonita for bait. It's against the law. Oh, I know you do. I know. I know you use them for bait. I know you do. But really, if if uh, the new zit face fish and wildlife guy shows up and he's trying to make a name for himself and he sees the cut up bonita in the bucket when he crawls on your boat all those bonita that are cut up in the bucket they're unmeasurable there's a bag limit on bonita and there's a size limit yes josh absolutely there's a bag limit that means you can have five under 22 tw excuse me under 24 inches and you can have five over but if you cut them up to put them in your tube and the fish and wildlife walk on the boat and say, hey, Josh, what do you guys got going on? Uh, and they look in the bucket and they see a bunch of chopped up bonita. That's a ticket. Now, when I tell you that's a ticket and you go, no, it's not. I go, well, I, ha I got that ticket. I, Captain Dave Hansen, got that ticket. Because I had cut up Bonita in my fr freezer that we were going to use for bait. And I got told right away because they were super excited. They got the Hanson. They finally caught me. And I was told those fish were unmeasurable. That's a ticket. That's a, that's a ticket. Unmeasurable fish is a ticket. So be careful. Remember, I tell you to use sardines, anchovies, or mackerel for bait, period, end of story. 
I don't tell you to use rock cod. I don't tell you to use calico bass. I don't tell you to use any type of measurable fish. And the calico are the mackerel, the sardines and the anchovies aren't measurable. And then if you also have the salmon on, like Kelly told you guys last week on the Thursday show, if you have salmon heads on your boat, you better have the receipt. Right now, you're not even allowed to have salmon in California. The salmon's closed this whole year. So if you have salmon heads on your boat and you don't have, yeah, that spray works for onions, that spray works for everything. But if you have salmon heads on your boat and you don't have the receipt, that could be a devastating, that's a felony. Are they going to write the ticket? I don't know, but they can. <laughs> Absolutely. And if they can, then what? They probably will, right? If they can, they probably will. So remember that, gang. And then this is the big one that I don't understand. And, and I just think it's so funny. You know what big lobsters taste like? A lobster like this one in this picture right here. You know what that tastes like? A lobster like that tastes exactly like lobster. People that say, oh, the big ones don't taste good. That's because you never caught a big one. Or you never tried to eat a big one. Yeah, you're not going to throw it in a pot of boiling water. You're going to quarter it out and you're going to cook it proper. You're not going to throw that 12 pound tail into a pot of boiling water and it's not going to come out perfect. The inside's going to be good, but the outside's going to be tough and grisly. But if you quarter the tail up, and cook it in quarters, it comes out phenomenal. But gang, you're not going to save the planet Earth by throwing back a legal lobster. I saw this the other night on one of the lobster groups. They were showing a guy threw back a nine-pounder, and everybody on the boat cheered, and I was just like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? Think about this. If we have the greatest night of hoop netting, me, Mike Lewis, Dan and Kim, Josh and, uh, and Augie go out and we have the greatest night we've ever had. You know how many we can have? We can each have seven, period, end of story. If the commercial fisherman goes out tomorrow with his commercial traps, all 300 of them, he can have as many as he wants. He could have 10 million if they caught 10 million. There's no, no limit on how many the commercial guy can have. So listen, you're not changing the planet. You're not saving the planet if you take a nine-pound lobster home and eat it. A 17-pounder we took home and ate tasted just like lobster. The 15-pounder we took home and ate tastes just like lobster. All the 12, 15. This one, look at, this one tasted exactly like lobster. This one right here. This guy we ate, 17.7 pounds. Every part of it tasted like lobsters. The legs tasted like lobsters. The tail tasted like lobsters. No, I'm not throwing back legal lobsters. And if I do, I'm throwing back little ones and keeping the bigger ones. <laughs> When we're culling, when we're, we have a really good night, like it's been the last couple of weeks over at Catalina and we, uh, first set, we got limits for everybody just like Justin did. Then 
Every time we pull up another lobster that's bigger than the ones in the tank, we throw one of the smaller ones back and keep the bigger one. There's never been a time in my life, and I fished for a living my whole life, where I thought, man, if I just would have thrown back that 17-pounder, it would have changed the whole planet. It's not going to happen, gang. <laughs> it's not. I, And it's your preference. You want to throw big, giant lobsters back? You go right ahead and throw big, giant lobsters back. Gang, don't forget, when you're out there trolling, you want this cedar plug. And to grab that QR code because we're giving away a grab bag of free stuff. It's the end of the show. So grab the QR code. Go to Promar. When you grab the QR code, that enters you into the contest to win the free bag of swag that we're going to give away on November 1st. Also, don't forget, if you're trolling, you want to have a cedar plug out all the time. Whenever you're trolling, always have a cedar plug out. It'll absolutely change what you catch. Grab the QR code. And if you didn't grab the QR code and you're listening on the podcast while you're driving around, enter the code YSWG on the website, promarahi.com. Put in the code YSWG on your checkout. That'll enter you into the contest to win the free bag of swag. We'll give away that bag of swag on November 1st. Don't Grab the QR code, gang. It's free. No purchase necessary to get in to win. Just grab the QR code. It's free. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to clog up your phone. It's not going to make you buy stuff. But it'll enter you into the contest and we win the free bag of swag. Right, Marley? Marley's up there on the top going, Dad, you've been going for an hour now. Can you shut up? Let's go play. Everybody, I want to thank you all once again for watching the show. I have to pick up one of my good friends who's flying in tomorrow. It's tournament time down here in Cabo. It's Bisbee's. The Bisbee's is going off. Los Cabo's Billfish Tournament's going on right now. There was some phenomenal striper fishing yesterday. And when I was looking on the catch stats this morning, it still looked like there was still really good striper fishing going on. No big blues or blacks weighed yet in the tournament as of when we went live, but that could change at any given minute. One fish is worth, I think four and a half million dollars. So there's a lot of guys trying to catch that one fish. Then the big Bisbee's goes off in a week and a half, but I'm picking up my buddy at the airport tomorrow. So we're probably going to go late. I would say the show tomorrow will probably be around one o'clock, but don't quote me on that because it all depends on the airline. He lands at 1130 and I'm going to come right. What was that you just threw Marley? I'm going to come straight back home and we're going to do the, pro, the Akuma show tomorrow. We'll be talking, answering all your questions, doing everything we normally do. We're just going to be a little bit late tomorrow because I, Mike Lewis will tell you, I take care of my friends. When somebody's coming into town, I am the guy that goes to the airport and picks them up. I love Driving to the airport, it's my favorite thing to do. And picking up friends is my second most favorite thing to do besides killing fish and catching lobsters and eating them. So thank you all very, very much for watching my show. Do me a huge favor, please. Share. The share button's right there on the bottom of your screen. Click share. Share this with everybody. Hit the like button. Do not miss the show on Friday. It's going to be incredible. It's going to touch your heart going to make you cry all right don't forget the tortillas at the beach absolutely we are doing that for damn sure mike hey everybody thank you very very much have a great day turn off the news they're all lying i will be back tomorrow with truth see ya <laughs>